times we arrive at a village, it is too late. Eskimo drunk, two Eskimo men will never engage each other in a sick fight as two drunk will here. For they'll go home and their wives will suffer the blunt end of it. Or they themselves will go into Yukon BT's here. And by the time we have made our run to the other end, we have the disheartening thing of death being able thing. When we arrive at the other end, it doesn't necessarily mean that it is the man who has died, but he has actually, literally, beat his wife to death. We had three years ago, a man that went home and literally kicked the intestines out of his butt. This is the way that it affects the people. It is hard for Eskimo people in the beginning to get the full realization or the meaning of Alcoholics Anonymous. Because your book is wrote in a million a word vocabulary. The Eskimo vocabulary in 12 dialects consists of 3,500 words. You must take and break down a million word vocabulary to 3,500 words into 12 dialects. It was hard for the Eskimo people to come to realize that there was a power greater than themselves. As the Eskimo has never had any such thing as a god. The word God is not in the Eskimo vocabulary. To substitute the word God, we had to use the great white father as the word for God. As the God of the Eskimo people, it's the high man on the totem pole, the first slave, the first chieftain of the Eskimo people. He was the Eskimo god. So, of course, they chanted everything to him. So you can imagine a drunk out there with a great time he would be having drunk chanting the totem pole <laughs> and running off somewhere and getting another snort. He would just be having himself, as you would say, here a ball, a wonderful time, getting out there and chanting. But our group has leaped. Laverne and I will inaugurate ten calendar years on February the 7th this coming year. On February of this year, during the month of February, you write your history in history.
history books. The Eskimo writes his history in a totem pool by carving. Every ten years, every decade of time, the totem pole is carved. This decade of time, on the totem pole, will go the two letters, A-A. For what it has done for people. When we take and we can visualize And we visualize that a program, the book tells us that alcohol is cunning, it's baffling, and it's powerful. You know that. But we can reverse that and look at it there is nothing cunning about AA. There is nothing baffling about AA. But AA is twice as powerful as alcohol. If we as individuals, we want it. We have to want it. When we run it, we will find that it is very powerful. When we come to look at it, you sum it up. Take two men who have never heard of such a thing as Alcoholics Anonymous. who are out in search of a drink that were to be guided and directed to the where they would hear the words, I'm powerless over alcohol, my life is unmanageable, that it was to become a haunting refrain. So hauling and so tantalizing that two men would want to know the answer to just a man's verbal saying. When we are drinking, men go out. My years of being sober, I have wandered in these months. How in the many times that I have laid down in the snow and over below zero weather, I was not frozen today. For sure in the world must have been a higher power. Must have been something watching over me. men to go, as Laverne and I did, hunting a drink, to a verbal paragraph, but it was to change the lives 
of not only two men, but to change the lives and the thinking of many others. This is the power greater than ourselves. Lloyd had stated, you can be very thankful to Lloyd or unthankful, doesn't make much account, that I came here tonight. I was coordinating my tickets. I had fully, uh, more or less intended to go on to team in Arizona for my next rest period before Albuquerque, Mexico. But in a formal conversation, um, Lloyd had said that he would call here if I would stop in Barstow. And then Lloyd decided that if I would stop in Barstow, he would come to Barstow. I had my tickets in my pocket, and I griped all the way over because I didn't want to get the Greyhound lines for three dollars and some cents to come from from San Bernardino here. But of course, my arm was twisted, and I'm here. (laughs) I, however, am very pleased to have come to your group. Uh, this afternoon I have had one of the most wonderful experiences in my time spent in the United States. I was rather awe-stricken to see and know that such a place as the workshop in San Bernardino existed. We do not know in my country that there is such places. And how wonderful I really are. <laughs> During the course of I have spent since February of last year in the United States, I was in Albuquerque, New Mexico, from flown by a mercy flight. Last February the seventh, flown nonstop from Alaska to Albuquerque, New Mexico saved my life. I had frostbitten lungs. I was flew to New Mexico to undergo treatment. I went under, underwent treatment until December the 3rd of this past year. On December the 3rd, the doctor came in, my doctor, and said, how would you like to go back to Alaska to your family? I was very elated that I would love us. Nothing better on the world. Well, I'm going to take you to get ready. After just a mid-off moment. So, of course, as all alcoholics are, I got the phone in one hand. I'm trying to pull a stock on with the other. I'm making my reservations by air to fly home. Because here is another example of the higher power on the way it works. I was aboard a Western airliner for San Francisco. I landed in San Francisco, changed planes. I flew to Seattle, Washington, arriving on the night of February the 4th. This is how the higher power works. As 
we were circling SeaTac, the Seattle-Tacoma Airport. The pilot spoke over the intercom system and said the man who had disdained to Alaska will please stop at the Alaska Airlines ticket office. I left the plane. I went into the airline. The airline said, sir, our flights to Alaska due to weather conditions are canceled. You take any taxi or any transportation to Seattle, take any hotel you wish in Seattle, and we will assume the payment of all bills until such time our flights are coordinated. I went into Seattle, Washington, took a hotel the night of December the 4th. I was stricken with rheumatic fever. I was paralyzed from the waist down. I could not move. Doctors were called in immediately. I was rushed to Columbus Hospital in Seattle, Washington. After the life had come back into my limbs, it had tore at my heart. And as the doctors expressed it, ruptured one of the valves in the heart. I was attended by a heart specialist who was Jewish who came into my room, asked me the amount of pain I was having. I told him I was having excessive pain. She said, I will order a quarter grain of morphine. He said, no, you will not order any morphine for me. So he said, look, fella, you and I are going to have to have an understanding here. He said, which one's the doctor and which one's the patient? I said, well, you're the doctor and I'm the patient, but I'm not going to take no morphine. Well, he said, I'll order a grain and a half of Zemutal. I said, no, you're not going to order nothing like that. I will not take it. He said, and why won't you? So I told him, I said, for 15 years, I was an alcoholic. For 15 years, I depended upon alcohol and leaned on it. But you are not going to make me a pill cripple now. I am not going to start to lean on nemutol or morphine because it's only going to depress and you will go back to drinking. I said, you're not going to give it to me. He said, fellow, he said, in three days, he said, you are going to be begging me. He said, for me to give you either morphine or give me, give you morphine or nemutol. I said, no, me, I'm not going to beg you for nothing. He said, all right, we see. I lay back in my bed, and I was relaxed. I was relaxed for only one reason. In my most moments of pain, I did not rely upon my physician to give me more pain or limitation. But I relied on my serenity prayer. I took my serenity prayer out when I was first sick and I kept it in the palm of my hand. Kept it in the palm of my hand. And when I had bed pain, I would turn it over and read it. 
When I slept at night, I kept it underneath my pillow. Twelve days later, the cut fish would come in. They say, all right, Philip. He say, now you tell me. He say, what is that? He say, you can lay back and relax and not seem to be worried. What is that? So I handed him this with the serenity prayer. that so many years that he has been a heart specialist and all of his patients either are nervous, fearful, and apprehensive. Well, I tell him that there's two words that can go together. One is fear and the other is faith. If I have faith in my serenity prayer and my AA, I have no fear. But if I have fear, I have no faith. They do not coincide. They do not go together. So I have faith. During this illness in the past month, after being all of this time on AE, I guess verbally you would say more or less that it was taken for granted. I was sober. I was attending meetings. But I did not get the full force and the full meaning of this wonderful program until I was hit with this heart attack. But now I know one thing. That if I was to expire between now and tomorrow morning, I would have no fear and apprehension of its approach due to my serenity prayer in my AA. I am not apprehensive or fearful of what the heart specialist is going to tell me tomorrow afternoon or tomorrow evening in Albuquerque, New Mexico. He is going to tell me tomorrow they can open the valve in my heart surgically, or if they can, that I must abide and wait my time for death to be the inevitable thing. I will not fear for our apprehension of seeing this surgeon tomorrow, because I have my faith, because I know that through my serenity prayer, I am going to accept whatever he says. It's not going to worry me. It's not going to worry me that I'm going to run into a bar and have a cocktail or a beer. Because I have my faith. In that book, and in this program, during the course of my illness in Seattle, Washington, I had summed up in a narrative what the strength of AA really is. I would like to read you the narrative. This to me I call the strength of AA. The peculiar strength of the AA program is that it allows us men and women alcoholics to be honest with ourselves, our families, our employers, 
our employees and our neighbor. We are unable to face the past with its records of failures and successes, defeats and victories, without taking the scar. We are unable to face the future with its uncertainty and danger without pretending that it's easier than it is. AA does this for us alcoholics. We need not frame perfection, even though we are under judgment against the standard of perfection. Now our confidence is no longer in our own capacity, but in the higher power, as we actually experience it in the course of our AA association and meeting. For us to feel the pressure of some social problem, we are unable to do what we can to make the situation easier, not in an imagined, self-righteous way, but because we feel as this is our responsibility of the wrongs we've done and find forgiveness in doing what we can to make amends. Justification in an RAA gives us alcoholics the realistic basis we need for dealing with our own conscience and with our practical situations. But most of us alcoholics need to have our convictions in this area continually reaffirmed and strengthened because it is easy for us to justify ourselves through our own actions. In the strength of AA and a higher power, we alcoholics may dare, while still knowing ourselves, to be selfish and perfect people, to do what we believe to be a higher power's will, a power greater than ourselves.